where we are today, right? I always say you have to honor the struggle in order to value the progress. Welcome to Conversations with Connors, a NetworkWise podcast, and I'm your host, Adam Connors. NetworkWise trains and educates individuals and organizations in the science and art of networking to accelerate sales, personal development, and career opportunities. In Conversations with Connors, I talk with a variety of highly successful individuals in order to gain insights on how they built, maintain, and cultivated their relationships in order to live a life by design, not by default. Have you ever wondered about where the most successful people derive their drive from? Was it the influence of their parents, their environment, an athlete, or public figure? Or maybe it was a motivational speaker. What if I told you that my guest for today had to be his own motivational speaker? Growing up in the projects in Hoboken, New Jersey, he managed to pull himself up by his bootstraps and self-motivate despite the strife he endured. Let me give you a perfect example. He went from almost not getting into college because of an essay formatting issue to ascertaining a master's degree and certificates from the likes of Harvard and Stevens Institute of Technology. Today, this man has become an American politician and most importantly, a leader who has uplifted the city of Hoboken in Newark, New Jersey. Speaking of leadership, he has a book coming out this year called Become a Leader. You'll see. I present to you Carmelo Garcia. He is, without a doubt, one hell of a character. He has internal drive, personality, perseverance, and this wonderful spirit that have been key attributes that have led him to galvanizing others into action. If you don't think having good relationships are important to getting things done, after listening to this conversation, that perspective will surely change. Carmelo and I discussed his humble beginnings, his drive to better the world around him, and the skills that one needs to become an efficient leader, to move the masses, and to make the world a better place. If you think this sounds exciting, just wait until you hear from the man himself. For those of you who haven't had your coffee yet, don't worry, you won't need one. Just feel his energy and you will be off to a great day. So, without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with my friend, Carmelo Garcia. So who is Carmelo Garcia? First of all, Adam, thank you for having me here on Network Wise. I'm excited to be here. Carmelo Garcia, brother, is a humble, visionary, progressive, thoughtful leader who had humble beginnings, who has grown up in the city of Hoboken and really defied the odds, pulled himself up by his bootstraps. I was one of the fire victims back in the 80s, whereas they were burning Hispanic and black families out of their homes to make way for the gentrification. Indians too, right? That is correct. Yes. Great, great knowledge and history. And the fact of the matter was that I was 10 years old, 1985, when a landlord paid an arsonist to burn us out of our homes. Uh, I had to jump out of a third-story apartment window with nothing but the shirt on our back. I remember in the early hours waking up to black smoke filled the air. And then just back in the days, you really had no fire escapes. You just broke the window and you had a launch. And it was just a leap of faith. And fortunately, we got injured, but there was no casualties to us, although there was a casualty in the building at 58 Monroe Street. And it was a sad time. We were homeless. 
Thank you to St. Joseph's Church, which was a big help to us back then. And from then on, we were able to successfully move into public housing, the Hoboken Housing Authority, which I attribute to giving me the character, the grit, that toughness that I had to earn because it was tough growing up back then. Can't even imagine. It was unbelievable. And I know that you're well aware of a great documentary, Delivered Vacant, which uh, is something that hopefully you can talk about a little later in your interpretation and what you thought of it. Gotcha. Yeah, I saw that almost 20 years ago when I first moved here. But it's it's in the Hoboken Historical Society, amazing documentary. It was done by actually a woman that lives across from my building. Nora Roberts. Is that who it was? Yes. It was Nora. Okay, yeah. and I think that it, it happened by mistake, right? Because she came, she was an artist that was here to just do art, and she just happened to be here during these turbulent times, and she just started filming some of these fires, and then she Excellent. began interviewing people, and it just turned into something that I guess is like a Tim Ferriss or one of these VCs might say that she pivoted <laughs> and created this movie. That's a good um, way to put it. Yeah, so yeah. it's a powerful movie. I, it, I recommend it, it to anybody who moves to Hoboken. It is. It highlighted what How was accurate happening back you, then. Was yeah. it accurate? Uh, very accurate. I mean, it highlighted what was happening back then. Our families were kind of documented in the actual documentary. So it, it was very powerful because where we are today, right, I always say you have to honor the struggle in order to value the progress, right? And the reality good is quote. that... Yeah, I'm telling you, brother, the reality is that back then, that was the struggle. I mean, Manhattan was 10 minutes away. They were making way in the late 80s and started in the mid 80s then to late 80s and it was disastrous what was happening but ultimately with the evolution of what has happened in Hoboken which is one of the most amazing cities in the world I was able to be a part of that because when I was in growing up in the Hoboken Housing Authority in my mind even though I was rebellious because I lost my dad to incarceration unfortunately because he was the patriarch of the family and he could no longer withstand kind of leading the family after the homelessness situation and he unfortunately got into drugs and from there led to incarceration. So a lot of my growing up was just my mom working two jobs and we were latchkey kids, my brother and I, but we were able to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and recognizing that hard work and education would be the key to our success. Even though we were still out in the streets, hustling, doing the things to survive because it was like a jungle, it was survival of the fittest. You had mismanagement, neglect, you had just the madness of what was happening at the time was more of a concentration of sort of that element, that crime into the housing authority campus, Mm. you know, with drugs and what was rampant at that time. Fortunately for me, at that growing up in high school and then when I was able to go to college, which I almost didn't get into college because I almost failed the entrance exam, which was an essay that I needed to do. I passed everything else, but I could not pass the essay because I didn't know how to create, construct an MLA style essay. So my high school had failed me at that time, even though I'm a proud Red Wing and I was able to come back and give back and make a difference and change the curriculum for a better course of action for students in the future, the reality was that I almost didn't get in. And I got a second chance, and by the grace of God, I got in. And I was able to defy the odds because it was D1 school. It was one of the best schools at the time. I only applied to two colleges, and that was the one that both of them accepted me. But I was just EOF, which was the Equal Opportunity Fund. Mm. Got in through that program, recognized the value of that program because, you know, we were impoverished. So, therefore, we didn't have any other means to afford that kind of a university, but through that mechanism. And it gave me a lot of remediation and all the right resources that I needed. And for me, I'll tell you, it was the best thing that could have ever happened to me in my life because uh, Seton Hall was a family, a community that really believed in your potential. And from there, I realized, oh, my God, 
What my mom had been telling me all along was so accurate in that if I got this education, pulled off this degree, no matter where I wanted to go, sky's the limit. And then from there, I decided I drew up a roadmap and said, you know what, I'm going to come back and run for uh, public office to give back. Before doing that, didn't you get a couple other degrees along the way? I did, my brother. I did. I was very fortunate to go and be accepted to Stevens Institute of Technology to get a dual graduate degree in, in management, in systems engineering. And then I went to Harvard. I got selected out of 750 applicants. 50 of us were selected to do a community development and public policy program, which I did and completed and got another degree there. And I got a certification from Rutgers University, Cornell University in leadership. And so I've always been big on leadership development, self-development. I love being able to inspire, influence, and impact others with what I have learned, sort of the how to become the leader. And the mantra that I always apply is, I can, I will watch me. So when, when folks say, like you, know, that, yeah. you know, when somebody says to you, man, you can't do that, which I got a lot of that. I got a lot of that growing up, man. You can't do that, Carmelo. And I was like, I can't, I will watch me. I can't, I will watch me. I can't, I will watch me. That's great. So I love when people say you can't do that because to me, that's a motivation also. And I think, well, you can't do it. (laughs) I can do it. You can't do that. So that's to me opportunity. It is. And you know, you take that because they're undermining you, they're underestimating you, and you apply that, mm. right? It's fuel, and not just for the soul, but it's a motivational driver that says, uh-uh, I'm going to prove to you that I'm putting my mind to it, I'm disciplined, and I'm determined to get it done. And I did. I was fortunate that when I graduated Seton Hall University and I went to these higher eds to get these masters, I was also in the private sector. I went ahead and became a banker, a mortgage banker, and then I was a senior loan officer, and from a senior loan officer to assistant vice president, I was a superstar rising up the ladder because I just wanted to capitalize and monetize, and then I wanted to give back. My whole purpose was always about how do I be more charitable, make more of an income, build wealth, and then be charitable. And so from then on, I realized in the private sector, man, it was amazing. I mean, I was doing great things and I was a leader and I was just taking my team to heights that they were unprecedented. But you get burnt out because it's sales. You're in the hustle and bustle. You got people underneath you who you got all these personalities. And before you know it, you got P&Ls, right? Profit and losses. And it's all volume based, dude. And it's nothing about substance that you feel. Although when I got into it, I got into it to help people achieve the American dream of home ownership. And then I realized it was all just profit-based, P&L, and the corporate America mentality for me. I could not, at that time, grasp with the fact that we were looking at underwater mortgages. Like, I called the toxic mortgages before the bubble happened in 2008 because I saw it. We were giving out mortgages to folks that the income ratios were at 60%, 55%. You had subprime lending that was a killer, and that was a big problem. And from there, I realized my appetite was unfulfilled for public service, giving back to my community. And I always came back to my roots. Never forget your roots. Mm. Never forget your roots. It's very important that folks understand that's what makes you. It's like the root of a tree, brother. You know what I mean? Like that's so solid when you can go back to the core of the essence that built you up to become who you are. And I thank God every day of my life. I'm excited every morning about what the future holds and what I'm creating, what I'm building. So what are you creating today? What's your present role and how is that serving you? I love that question. So today, you know, I wear many executive hats, right? Number one, I'm chief of development. So there's deputy mayor for the city of Newark, the largest city in New Jersey. In Hoboken, I was at one time deputy mayor. I was director of health and human services. 
community development, executive director of the very same housing authority that I grew up in, wow. which is so Full unique. Circle, huh? Yeah, yeah, it's it's a blessing. Yeah. It's, it's just unbelievable. It was a dream, and I was able. When people said I can't, I said I can. I will watch me, and I made it happen, brother. And I was able to successfully go back and give to my community, feel like I would be the Moses of my community and lead them to greater aspirations, get them out of this sort of ghettoized culture mentality that really stumps thumbs and keeps you uh, constrained because you think all you have is these four walls. And it's more than that. So for me, what I'm doing today is exactly what I knew I'd be accomplishing as a thought leader, economic and community development specialist practitioner, because that's really what I do best. I've mastered the art and science of being able to really rebuild communities, right? Urbanization at its best. So to do that, what's the skill set that you need to be successful in doing what you do? Networking. Number one. All right. Let's talk. Very important. Networking leads to building credibility in the work that you do. So for me, when I partner up with people and I bring them in and I give them a concept plan and then I structure the deal, whereas they recognize, okay, this is possible. Highest and best use. Here's what you can't see today but here's what you will see tomorrow. And you have to have leadership that is going to have vision, right? Like I have great mayors, Mayor Baraka, a visionary leader who can say, hey, I want to build something here that's gonna be mixed use, multifamily. It's going to stimulate this corridor. Carmelo, how do you get that done? And that's what I do best, right? I'm the guy who comes in and architects it, engineers it, and then basically has to implement it. You engineer that. And then when it comes to networking, you have to have a list of all the different types of people that can facilitate all these different roles in order to kind of see the project from A to Z. That's correct. You have to have a cadre, first of all, of all-star people like that you have to have worked with that are result-oriented, right? You need to make sure that you have people, as I say, GID people. Get it done, Mm. right? Just simply get in the room, have smarter people than you, have folks who can brilliantly think outside the box, but at the same time be able to capture what it is in essence that you're trying to achieve. Because if you don't know the goal and understand ultimately the plan, which is a comprehensive one, because you can't do in rebuilding cities, you can't do it piecemeal, right? When you take the largest city in New Jersey, like Newark, and you look at where it's come from, and it's been four years of this journey, and you had former Mayor Booker, now Senator Booker, who was a great cheerleader, an amazing leader that was able to drive and stimulate Newark's prominence of what it could be. And then you bring in Mayor Barack, who is practical and also visionary and progressive and now puts together the right team to say, hey, this is where we're going to be. And my thing is, tell me where you want to be and I'll get you there. That's my reverse engineering. That's it. (laughs) You're right. It's all reverse engineering. But the blessing is that you have to have a skill set that not only allows you to bring people together, to galvanize people and buying into that vision, but also on the pragmatic side that you understand how to get it done. Also, what's key is my background as a former elected official. I served for 14 years in the school board as well as the state legislature. So understanding the dynamics between federal, state, and local government is critical to the success of how you navigate a project. Because project management at its best is about, hey, here's what we need, we need to accomplish. Here's the team that I put together. Here are the milestones. And here's where we're going to be able to execute. 
Because if you don't have the discipline to execute, and that's the culture that I build, right, is a culture of execution and discipline. Then what happens is you stay off course, you get anything can objectively come in your way and detour you. But the fact of the matter is that when you're building market confidence in any city in America, in any market, as you know, your market forces, you have to have certitude and consistency. What are the challenges that you face on a day-to-day basis? And what are some of the, I guess, the overarching challenges? The challenges you face on a day-to-day basis are sometimes you deal with ineptness. Sometimes you deal with folks that don't want to buy in the resistance. You have the fact that you have these caveats, right, that can ultimately from the market forces throw you off. Rates go up. You have a situation where in your capital stacking, subsidy is not there. The pilot is not there. A RAB, which is a revenue allocation bond or redevelopment area bond, is not available. You're relying on state subsidies or federal subsidies. They're not available. And also environmentally, the site in itself might not be environmentally prudent to be able to build what you want to build. You might have to raise the site. You might have to have contamination and clean it up. Just topology of it, the physical content of that structure. And how does it stimulate like an anchor? How does it anchor in and then thread all the other pieces together to stimulate that revitalization? That's urbanization at its best. Mm. And not many people understand that you have all the right ingredients and you put that recipe together, brother, as a master chef. And what you can create is just incredible. Nice. So I've seen Newark transform for, my God, it's been amazing. What are some of the biggest accomplishments that you guys are most proud of today? Well, we have an amazing pipeline right now, $4.4 billion in it right now. Currently, real time, we have the Haynes Project, which is one of the most adaptive, reused national model projects of its time. The Urban Land Institute has acknowledged that. You have Teachers Village, which is another pretty cool, sexy project that was dedicated for teachers that's 100% occupied on Broad Street. Then you have Shack Tower, which Shaquille O'Neal uh, right. is a partner in that project with Borai Development, which is another amazing 23-story tower. You have basically one theater square, which is right across from NJ Pack. I mean, Newark has all these natural assets, right? Yeah. Prudential it's Arena. great history. Oh, amazing history, right? But you have Prudential Arena. You have New Jersey Performing Arts Center. You have the Newark Museum. You have 18 minutes access to Manhattan. You can't beat that. Mm-hmm. You got rail and water. We have an open space park. We hired the renowned landscape architect, James Corner, who did the High Line in New York City. He's doing the Riverfront Park in Newark. Awesome. We got Mulberry Commons, which is a three-acre world-class signature park that's going to be right across from the Prudential Arena. So in the future, when your family goes to watch some entertainment at Prudential Arena, you'll be able to walk across Mulberry Commons, enjoy all the amenities there, and then go to the river, walk that three-mile-long river, and then end up at come back to Penn Station, go to Ironbound Community, eat over there. Sometimes it's all you, brother, but you realize it's the other teammates who are giving you that fuel, that energy to get you to score better or to basically drive better or to rebound stronger. And I always say that there is a powerful force out there that always has my back. So I recognize that. And for me, that's what makes all the difference. So what do you look for in the relationships with the people that you connect with? What are the characteristics you're evaluating on? In adding value, because that's where I'm at now, right? We mature, you get these stages in your life. And I'm very much focused on adding value to others and others adding value to me. Whereas we're growing on a social impacting front. We're growing because we know that as we become more successful and we generate more wealth, that we're going to give back more charitable 
wise, right? We're going to be more in charity with what we do, and we're going to be in line with making this world a better place. I mean, if you look at it today, a lot of these successful companies, what are they adopting now? Tom's is one great example. The CEO, what does he adopt? The fact that he was one of the first guys to come out with saying, you buy a pair of Tom's and I'm going to donate. Yeah, that's an awesome awesome story. When you think about that, brother, and these other great leaders who've now adopted that model, it's powerful. And I've always seen it as that. I've always done it at my level, local level, right? County level. But now when you start to move up in the world and you realize, hey, I can make a greater difference in building communities and rebuilding urbanization and making my legacy become your legacy. Because that's the key. It has to be our legacy. It has to be that we're all in because we want to get to that light. That light is very powerful, which is how do you make a difference in that person's life? And you're now giving them more access. So we create greater access. And that's what I want to do within my relationships moving forward is I'm authoring a book, Become the Leader. I can, I will watch me. I want to see that be my catalyst to really being able to do motivation, inspirational speaking with people who believe. What do you think are some of the biggest obstacles that people face? I say today, the sin of doubt, which the sin of doubt leads to fear. And one of my acronyms that I created that fear for me, I reversed it to become fearless. And that's that it's faith. The first F represents faith. You got to believe, you got to know that you are built and born for something greater. Like I know I'm engineered to succeed and it's not to be boastful, it's just to be real on what I know within myself and what I can do for others, right? So the E represents the energy. The power plant doesn't just generate its own energy, brother. You know that. The power plant got to be put to work, you know. It's not just, it's not just power, it happens. No, man. And then the A is action. You got to be actionable, Right. You got to take the actionable steps. And then the R represents resolve. You got to have the resolve and the resiliency. And no matter what happens, yeah, you're going to fall down. Yeah, you're going to fail. But you get back up. You know, like Les Brown says, if you look up, get up. You know what I mean? But you got to be hungry. I think people face this, this sense of facade through social media because everybody always is sort of envious. I want to be like this one. I want to do this. I want to, the social media makes people stop really believing that they too can because they see so many other folks already in these upper echelons of what they're doing and they don't realize that in essence it all starts within you first you know you got to be hungry what do you see as a common thread amongst some of the most successful people that you come across because you're dealing with everything right yeah, I mean, you've dealt yeah. with everything from like you said the housing projects some of all the way to CEOs of, in billionaires. So what would you say is a common thread amongst the most successful people? And I'm not defining success as being wealthy. I'm defining success as living a life by design, not by default. So I would say number one is that they're living a fulfilled life. Okay. Where they recognize that it's come full circle for them. They've reached this upper echelon of success. And they're looking at what else can I do to be impactful socially, right? A lot of them I find that they're looking still for their purpose. So that's what keeps them fueled to want to keep working harder, right? It's like, what's my purpose? And once they find their purpose, consistency in their purposes. But here's what I love most. And a lot of them, and I'm talking about CEOs, billionaires, multimillionaires, guys who are leading amazing corporations today that we speak with. We've got 50 Fortune 500 companies in Newark, right? And I get the opportunity to connect with them, right? When we had the Amazon, why people didn't recognize that Amazon we were disappointed. I thought for sure Amazon was going to Newark. I, I, I was blown away by we, New York. We were disappointed, brother, yeah. but at the end of the day, it was a validation 
for Newark, right? I tell people to even Newark be in the running. Trending. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was a validation that Newark he was soaring now. It's come back and it's soaring. It's not just trying to get there. It's now soaring. So to us, that was great. And we worked hard. We had amazing people, Mayor and Aisha and everybody who was involved in that. It was a public-private partnership that was modeled unbelievably after something that was so unique that people, we were the underdog. People didn't suspect us. You didn't suspect us to be there, but we got there. It was a validation. So what I see in my experiences and in my relationships with these individuals are three things. Number one is their desire to give back. I see that. Number two is that they have a skill set that is very much forthright, meaning they're honest, they're deliberate, they're very intentional. That's one thing I see, intentionality, mm. which I love that, right? They're very intentional in their thought process, in their conversation, and the realness of it. The realness of it. That's When I say it, realness, I mean the genuine, authentic self of like just letting your cards on the table. Showing us, showing me in particular, where do you want to go? And that's where I'm at right now. I mean, the guys that I am engaged with in my sandbox, it's a blessed sandbox that I get to really work with some of the most amazing people in the metro area in this country. And I go through to international affairs, right? I'm on demand. I get called out to speak about economic community development internationally, Africa, Asia. We went to China in February. I'll be in Johannesburg, South Africa, speaking about what we've done and what we can do. So in the academics of it, you start to kind of shape the subject matter expertise that people want to hear rather than white paper. They want to hear about how did you do it? And I think that's explosive. And that's what now I find in these other leaders that I'm working with and these CEOs that they want to share their story. How did you, throughout the course of building and getting in front of all of these people, what did you do to earn credibility with them? Walk me through maybe an example of a relationship that you've developed with someone who's major that you've gotten them to buy in or maybe even if they weren't into the mission, you've gotten them into your mission. Walk me through the relationship of, you don't even have to name a name, but give me an example of someone that you approached. How did you establish rapport with them? How did you build the relationship? And then how did you get them to buy into the vision that you were? That's a great question. Yeah, great question. It's a so, long so, one. No, <laughs> but it's a great one. But it's, it's very powerful in the sense that I was very fortunate to create this Why Newark presentation. So when people would say to me, Why Newark? By the time I got done with the presentation, they would say, why not North? Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like, okay, Carmelo, you got me. Right. Because understanding that at the time they needed to feel and believe and buy into. How did you get them to the presentation first? Great question. <laughs> so how I got them is on a pitch, man, on a pitch based track record through my relationships. Right. So through my relationships within my network, I made a pitch. The folks who were introducing me, the people that were bringing me to the table, had the credibility to say, this is my guy. If you know anything about him, he's a man of character. He's a man of vision. He's a man who gets things done. I need you to listen to what he's sharing. So your relationships that you built over time, you created this trust within them as a result of the trust and the passion of who you are. Those people felt comfortable enough to put you in front of the right people that gave you the opportunity to give your pitch. Right. Okay, sorry. So now we're at your no, pitch. No, 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 that's it, brother. Yeah. I mean, it, because they knew you have the pedigree already, right? The pedigree is one thing. Getting results is another thing. 
And then lastly is, can you convert the getting results and your track record and pedigree into now hooking me into why I should make this investment, Yeah. right? And this is, you're talking about billions of dollars in investment. So why should I make this investment? Yeah, when they're getting hit from everybody yeah. else. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Everybody wants in their Every, cookie everybody, jar. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, everybody wants in their cookie jar. So the fact of the matter is I was able to successfully lead them through why it was pertinent for them to be a part of this. Like, if you want to become the leader amongst leaders, you got to be able to take the dive. You got to be able to believe in that person. I believe everything in life happens for a reason. So you got to be able to believe in that person who can say to you, look, here's what we've done. Here's what I've been a part of. Here's what I've been able to accomplish. Here's what our team is. Here's my leader. Here's where we're going. You have a shot right now in front of you that you can say, I'm in or I'm out. You can become the Jeff Bezos of the world, right? And be a part of something amazing. Or you can become the guy who regrets that I didn't buy in to that Tesla opportunity when I was given the opportunity. Or I like the old one about when Blockbuster and Netflix, right? When Netflix was coming on the scene and Blockbuster were still, people believed that Blockbuster was still hanging there. And there were opportunities that folks, not to mention, got to be a part of Netflix and they passed on it. And then all of a sudden, boom, Blockbuster's gone. Netflix is blown up. So the bottom line is in life, I've learned, listen, life is a test. Life to me is a trust. But ultimately we have temporary assignments in this world. And we must show what did we do in our time gracefully and blessedly to really make a difference. What did we do? And many people will leave this place not showing much of what they were able to do to make this world a better place. How frustrating is that for you? It's very frustrating because I'm a believer that there's so much potential you have. There's so much potential they have. And so when you think about it, you're like, wait a minute. How come you're kind of cutting yourself short? You know, like sky's not the limit. Like, why are you setting limits to where you can go with it? Giving your stature here, right? It's like in sports, you made the all-star. Okay, great. I want you to be an MVP, right? Take the team to the championship. I'm a champion. I'm going to take the team to the championship and I want the ball. Mm. Give me the ball. I want to take that shot. Put the pressure on my back. You know, let me be the MJ of the moment or the Kobe of the moment. I want to take it. Right. And that's the reality of it, man. A lot of folks shy away because of doubt. Right. Doubt that leads to fear. And what's the greatest paralysis, man, is fear. False expectations about reality. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I'm telling you, man. So a lot of times my whole thing is networking. Don't just network network wise. And how do you do it? And I'm not going to get on my soapbox here, but a lot of... But, <laughs> I'd love no, to hear some yeah, of it. Well, we could do that, but I know we're under the gun with time. But a lot of times people are afraid of rejection. They're, that's why they're afraid to approach people. I mean, there's a whole list of laundry list of fears that people have. And that's one of the things that I try to just... You're no different by going up to somebody and introducing yourself. And if they reject you, you're no different than if you didn't. But at least now you know that you've approached them, you've tried. And then again, it can become like a numbers game, almost like dating. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> the only thing you'd want the speed dating because yeah. that leaves you, that, you know, <laughs> no, yes, no. Yeah. So what would you say are some of the fears that people have? What are these doubts that they have? Why? Is it fear? Is it laziness? I think in today's society, brother, I always love to use the movie Pursuit of Happiness or Will Smith, right? Where he's out there selling these machines and no one wants to buy them anymore. It's a movie. Yeah, it's a great movie, right? And I love it because the fact of the matter is people today need to be more connected with that belief that there's more to them than where they are right now. Hmm. There's more to where you are today 
that God has gifted you, that there's a purpose, that the universe is giving you a purpose to achieve more and be more. And I think that they're paralyzed because, think about this, if your dream doesn't scare you, then it's not worth pursuing. So people get scared by the thought of success. People get scared. And so you can either be average, which is fine, that's great, or you can be above average and be elite, supreme in what your pursuit is, right? You could take something ordinary, make it extraordinary. I believe in that. So for me, I think a lot of people today are constrained by the fact that it's not laziness. To an extent, there's that exists, right? Right. The thought of like, oh, God, you know what? I'm not as motivated. I love what her name says. When you wake up every morning, you should just launch out of bed. If I, and I do this. Five, four, three, two, one. Mel Robbins. Five, four, three, two, one. I'm up, right? Even when I'm like tired and I've put in literally 16 hours the night before, right? And I know, right? I'm still, I'm tired, but I have a routine. You know, I get up, cold shower, push-ups, 100, boom, I'm out, right? Because I'm excited. Let's back up into that routine because I love routines and those are great habits because you don't control your future. You control your habits and your habits control your future. That's right. So in the cold shower, are you a Wim Hof guy? Are you familiar with Wim Hof? <laughs> yes, I am. Is brother. that why you do it? Yeah, no, so- no. I, I just know it works, right? Like yeah. honestly, right? I know uh, Wim does it. Tony does it, Robin yeah. and stuff. But I just know it works for me and it's always helped me. You know what I mean? Like I just yeah. jump right in and boom and you get shocked. Oh, that's and real. Man. And it's real. Yeah. And then you go into, you do your 100 push-ups and you're good, man. And I do breath scaling. Many people should try bread scaling. Brendan Bouchard taught me this when I was in California. I went to his High Performance Academy. Mm-hmm. And Brendan Bouchard, I love him. Great dude who is doing big things and uh, game changing. And the fact of the matter is he has the uh, book Habits for High Performers. And he taught me bread scaling, which is you stand up. You know what? If we could do it here, I'll be mean, the camera won't catch us. But you stand up on your tippy toes. You bop up and down and take 10 deep breaths. And it's like this natural dose of energy that fuels you no matter what time of the day it's that you're dealing with this drogginess. But for me, habits, you laid it out best. Habits is everything. When you program yourself to succeed where you're a champion and you know no matter what you're facing, you have no choice because others are dependent upon you to lead them and to show them your greatness. I always believed I'm endowed with the seeds of greatness, not at an early age. But as I began to see the evolution of like where my path was going, where God was placing me as part of his plan, and for my children, for the sake of knowing that my children need to see and mirror what it is that leads you to be successful. So what are some of the habits that you have? Cold showers, waking up every morning. (laughs) Well, these are the things that people want to learn. He's a highly successful, motivating guy. So if people are listening to this, at least for myself, forget about anyone else. Selfishly, I want to know what some of your habits are that have put you in a position that you are in today. So we've got a morning routine habits. Do you have habits when it terms to like meeting somebody? Would you send them a thank you? Tell me about some of those types of habits that you have. So one of the first things I have, right? I created this acronym. It's called SOS. So help, right? Yep. Everybody gets it. Universal SOS. Strategy, right? In everything that I'm going to approach for a breakthrough in your life, mm-hmm. you should have a strategy. And then you should be obsessed with that strategy. And then that will create your narrative, which is story. So S for strategy. O for obsession, and the final S for story. So your next book should really be a book on acronyms. Yeah. You know, that should really be. I'm going to do that. Yeah. I'm you could do make that. it a kid's so, book. It could be an adult book. Yeah. I'm telling you, brother, I got some yeah. great Lots ones. Lots of pictures. I'm visualizing yeah. some pretty <laughs> cool stuff. You know? yeah. But SOS, like, so yeah. when you talk about habits, that's my habit when it comes to me finding a breakthrough. 
when I'm thinking, pondering about, okay, how do I achieve this success? How do I solve this problem? Because I'm a problem solver. But there's a lot of other habits and outlets. You got to work out. You got to take care of yourself. You got to be healthy. You got to eat right. Yeah, we go out, we socialize, have some glass of wine, right? Which red wine is still good for your heart. But you can't be excessive. You can't be gluttony. You can't be glutton with it, right? Mm-hmm. You just can't. You have to be in moderation and you have to have habits, like you said. Like I'm programmed where I can stay up to three o'clock in the morning, right? Sometimes I tell people, they say, how do you do it? I say, I'm a vampire. But the fact of the matter is that that is not as healthy, but it's been programming throughout the last 25 years of my life that has led me to basically utilize that as a method to think better, to work harder, to have greater output. But in the end, I want to eventually get to a point where I can sleep no more hours, right? And be more productive because scientifically it's proven that you will get more productivity. But then you have a percentage of us whose DNA, right, is a little bit different. And there's a uniqueness to what you can do in your capacity that others can't. I would say habit, build capacity. Take yourself to the max. See like a rubber band how far you can stretch before you snap. And then understand that that capacity will allow you to do, whether it's exercising, whether it's reading, whether it's writing, whether it's theorizing, whether it's concept planning, whatever it is, project management, right? Understand your built capacity. You know, it's interesting. So there's something that I do a lot of times when I speak, I do public speaking to show people how, because you mentioned something about grow your capacity. And a lot of times you can go so much farther than you ever think. You talk to any professional athlete, any endurance person, it doesn't matter who it is. So there's a great, I don't know if you've seen this before or not. And the short story is I get everybody to stand with their feet planted and turn all the way around. So you're standing, you're facing one way and then you turn all the way around. Are you familiar? You know where I'm going to go with this? So you turn around and then you look at something that you can point, you know, what you can see. So if anyone who's listening, close your eyes, turn all the way around, focus on something. All right. Yeah. Let's do it together. Okay. See how far you can go. Okay. All right, it's as far as you can go. Now focus on that spot. You remember that? Yeah. Okay, now turn around. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Face the same way. Now picture yourself. There you go. Sorry to make this confusing. Now visualize turning your arm all the way around to that point, but keep going. Now keep going. Now you've gone around once, okay? You got that? Keep your feet planted. I'm now picture you. yourself going around again, spinning it all around. Your feet are still planted, so you're starting to spin around kind of like Gumby. Okay, now you're twice. Picture it again. Visualize slowly. You're totally turning around all the way around, all the way around. Okay, third time. It's tight. You can feel your body is really, really tight. You got one more in you. Ready? Spin it all the way around. Visualize that finger moving it. There it is. You've gone past the other spot. Now you're right where you are. Your body's extremely tight. Now mentally just let it go and watch your body unwind. Let it spin around until it like slaps back. All right? Now keep your eyes closed. Keep your eyes closed, and I want you to now physically put your arm, lift up your arm, move it, and pull it all the way back. Now go all the way. Keep going. Keep going. Keep your feet straight. Keep going. Keep going. Don't look. Let me go as far as you can. Okay, open your eyes. (laughs) Do you see how much farther that you went? So, I mean, you just increased. You were right here. Yeah, no, you're right. And then you just kind of increased, you know, at least, I don't know, 10%, 15%. And you're doing it sitting. If you were standing, it's usually most people 20 to 25%. And that's just a metaphor. Just so if you think about that, you did that. That took, I don't know, a minute, two minutes. That's right. And you just did that. So your mind, look what you can do. That's right. it's, a, it's a visualization. It's a matter of, are you committed? Or are you going to believe? I mean, I you, you, just, you just witnessed it. So yeah. to your point, 
It's powerful. It's yeah. powerful. And, and that's what we, and I appreciate even that exercise because if everyone truly were to take a moment and to embrace something like that, just try something new, right? I make people my team. I lead hundreds of people my team. And I make them get out of their comfort zone, not by making them uncomfortable with who they are, but by making them uncomfortable with what they need to perform to break out of that current state of mind. Because attitude, I believe, is the greatest principle of leadership. That would be my, if somebody said to me, I have 16 principles of leadership. I tell people attitude is the number one, right? Because not only 1% is what happens, but 99% you react to it. But if you think oh, about it, that. but if you think about it, it all begins with your mind, right? It all begins. So, so would you say attitude is the same as mindset? Yes. Be, yeah. Okay. Yes. I, because I concur. without a doubt, without okay. a doubt. So that's why now we're in this age of mindfulness. But the fact of the matter is that it all starts in the mind, right? Mm -hmm. And I love the quote that says, if you think you can or cannot, you're right. <laughs> I love that so, one. It's so, one of my favorites. We're going to have a quote off yeah, here. We you know? should, yeah, we should. I love it, brother. We yeah. should, that, that might be a good battle. Yeah, you know what? Yeah. Moving forward, we might even create a show from that. Yeah. But <laughs> the fact of the matter is that I just wish and I pray and I'm hopeful. When I hope, I'm not wishful thinking. I'm going to bring it into existence. That's one thing that I know I find very unique and that I can attribute to my successes has been that, that I'm going to bring it into existence. So if people could do that, hope to bring it into existence versus hope to expect that somebody else or something is going to fall out of the sky and come in, into your lap, right? It doesn't really work that way. You have one divine forces, right? And there's belief that that's a plan that comes from another higher power. But at the end of the day, you have to be able to believe that you can bring it into existence. So I will things into the universe, right? I'm very effective with that. And I thank God because I was able to realize that power when I was working with other people and I would will things into the universe. And as a creator and as a builder, you know this best. You're putting this show network wise. Like this is a concept you had and you said, I'm going to do it. Right. I can't. I will watch me have a show that is going to bring dynamic people on that's going to talk about the how to's and really where you want to be in your life and how to just improve your way of living and being. Because there's a lot of people out there. The data shows a lot of people. Right. Probably 80 percent looking to improve their quality of life, looking for a healthier lifestyle, looking for greatness, searching and wondering, how do I get to be as successful as others. And that's why I say, become the leader. I can, I will watch me. And lay out literally principles and stories of how do you do this and others that have successfully done it. Because we can't just simply think we're gonna reinvent the wheel. We have our own gifts, we have our own story to share, and we have our own formulas. But at the end of the day, there are others that you have to credit. Like I love the fact John Maxwell, Brendan Burchard, Les Brown. These are individuals that are game-changing. Oh, yeah. You're talking about Tony Robbins. These are guys that no matter what you say, guess what? It's a big business, but it's a much-needed business to get our society, to get our world to be a better place. Because when you think about it from a global perspective, man, you look at today what's happening. I mean, if it's not for us then nothing is going to be accomplished in a impactful manner that is making a real difference, right? You know what the old quote, I love the one, if not for you, then who? I don't know, I never heard that one. Good. If not now, then why? That's what you always have to, and I tell people that. If not for you, then who? If not for now, then when? If not for us, then who will make a difference? Bang, bottom line. And that's where we're at right now.
And I'm just grateful to be a part of this program and to really be here with you, Adam, and to share all that insightfulness that we've just went over. And I appreciate you tremendously, brother, as I know you're doing big things, man, and I'm proud of you. Yeah, well, we got a lot to do. We got a lot to accomplish, getting back to your point about the fear and just getting people to be a little more proactive in their relationships and being comfortable and trying to help other people. There'd be a really nice domino or butterfly effect of goodness, of positivity. I know you've got to go, before I let you go, something that i got so many random questions that I never asked. I want you to just put your finger on any one of these. Just put your finger anywhere. Don't look. And just put your finger. I'm going to ask you just a no, random question. Oh, man. All right. I'm going to go right. here. Okay. I'm going to go here. And okay. I'm going to go here. Oh, good deal. All right. So now we got three questions. There you this go. is good. All right. Ready? So what's bad advice that has been given to you and or that you often hear? What is the bad advice that has been given to me and or that I hear? That you often hear. So one thing I often hear is, right, if I knew then what I know now, which I say to myself, I'm not going to get there. I don't want to be that guy or that gal. I want to do what I believe in now and cherish and be able to apply from the experiences of others. The experiential practices of others has to be what I'm learning from already and applicable today, right? I don't want to be there if I knew then what I know now. The bad advice I've been given is by all means necessary, find a way to get it done, right? And I don't believe in that Mm. because I think sometimes you jeopardize and you sacrifice your values, your family, your principles, and that's not kosher. Nice. That's a good one. All right. Ready? So if shit hit the fan and you had to get a job today, what would you do? (laughs) That's a great one. What I'm pursuing, right, which is my dream of becoming a motivational, inspirational, self-development thought leader and being able to just go out there, start my own blog, start my own show, start my own, write my book, which I'm finishing, and just do that. That'd be the job, man. If I had, at best, I'd be doing, pursuing that, and if I needed to make instant money, I'd be going out and literally consulting, coaching. I love coaching people, so I'd be consulting and coaching people. Great. So I got one question before I go to the last question that you touched on. Who's your gotta guy? I guess. Or who is your, do you have a go-to person if there's something that you usually need? And I know that I'm sure you have one for if there's someone in real estate or there's someone in politics or there's someone in business. I'm sure there's, you've got that. But is there one person that's typically your go-to if you need something? Yes. All right. Yes. I have a multiple. You know, you put it best, right? I have multiple go-to people that I would say, hey, if I need something in this realm, but my go-to as a companion uh, is my wife. Oh, uh, Margarita. Yeah, That's yeah. Not I gotta, a bad go to. I got I to yeah. give her a shout out, man, yeah. because she's unbelievable. She That's is. That's my best friend, my partner. Yeah. And so she's my go to when it comes to looking at a scenario and sort of looking at ways and strategy and angles to get through that resolution, to get to that resolution. But I have folks in all spheres when it comes to investments. You know, I go to my man, Jim Leo. When it comes to legal, I go to my man, Angelo Genova. So I got people. Within, if there's something to do with global aspects of Africana and dealing with African views, you know what? I go with my man Wally. So there's people that I am blessed to have built within my network the opportunity to reach out and say, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And what has that done for you? What has that having those people at your fingertips done for you? It's given me greater access to make a better choice, to be wiser 
in uh, how I'm assessing that situation. You know what I mean? It really, because you get to share, you get to ponder on different dynamics of things that get you to that end result of saying, okay, and then you go with your gut, right? I'm very intuitive, so I believe in you got to go with your gut. You take all of the data, or you take all the advice, and then you go with your gut. Yeah, good stuff. All right, my last question before I let you go. Tell me one thing that's happened to you this week that made you laugh. <laughs> well, I was away in Italy. I got back right before Christmas. And what made me laugh was... I had a beautiful gathering for Christmas, and I love the joy and the smiles of the family. And again, I believe we make a living from what we get, but a life from what we give. Mm. So for me, what made me laugh was the fact that you're seeing the evolving of these children, my children, my nieces, nephews, my godchildren. And it never fails that you get them a gift right? That you think they want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then lo and behold, there's a cheaper gift that they received, right? And they have more fun with that than the actual gift that you were like, oh, this is what you put on your list, right? <laughs> and they were you're thinking, and then you look at them playing, like my four-year-old son, Grayson, who I call my prince. I'm watching him playing. You got this great crane, and you got all this stuff that he's gotten, and, and then he's playing with literally uh, marbles, right? Like <laughs> marbles and slime. And I'm like... Oh, slime. Don't you know, get me started dude, on slime. Dude, so I'm, yeah. like, I'm like, wait a minute. You got all these other wonderful gifts to entertain, but he stays literally for a few hours just playing. He's very tactile. Very sensory, yeah. you know, and, and he's very, I like that, tactile is the word as yeah. well. But I always say he's very sensory and he loves to just create and make stuff. Wow. So I can see him as a future maker of something spectacular, well, an inventor. It'll be something nice to, for him to build in Newark. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. One day, one yeah. day. Yes, indeed, brother. Listen. My man, thank you for coming on. What an inspiration. Appreciate your, your insights. I have so many things to get out of this conversation. I'm excited to hear what the people that are listening or watching, I really look forward to the feedback that they have to share and possibly having you back on. Thank you, my brother. And I appreciate everyone who's been uh, listening and watching for Network Wise. I think this is just game changing and groundbreaking with my man, Adam Connor, brother. That's it. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Conversations with Connors, a Network Wise podcast. If you or someone you know is looking for a career change, building a business, seeking to expand sales, or is just generally interested in improving your overall health and happiness, then head on over to networkwise.com to gain access to a plethora of resources to help you build your networking skills and community. Those who are ambitious will network. The ones who succeed will network wise. <laughs>